So hey, really quick, uh, before we jump into the word this morning, can we welcome one more time everybody joining us on Liberty Live this morning? So glad you guys are here, wherever you're watching from. We're so honored that you chose to spend your Sunday with us. And I'm excited to start this series, which we're calling Unhinged, because here's the, here's the reality. The reality is, is we all have relationships in our life or have had relationships in our life that feel a little unhinged. And, 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 and here's the thing, whether it's, it's a sibling relationship, whether it's a, a friendship that you have, whether it's a coworker uh, who's being a little bit difficult, uh, whether it's your mom or your dad, or maybe it's your significant other, the person that you're dating, maybe it's the person that you're married to, the, the truth is re- relationships are challenging Relationships are messy, but the story doesn't have to end there. The story doesn't have to end there. And over the next five weeks, what we want to do is we realize that relationships are challenging. They can be messy. And we just want to partner with you to help you do them well. That's why we're here. We want to help you do relationships well. We want to help you navigate relationships in a healthy way, in a Christ-centered way, in a way that's honoring to God, but also to the people that we find ourselves in relationships with. And, uh, and so I'm excited um, to, to kick this series off this morning. Before we jump in, let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you that you, you don't just teach us how to navigate relationships well, but you model it by offering us the greatest relationship that we could ever have. And so, Father, as we jump into the word this, this morning, as we talk about relationships over the next several weeks, I pray would you help us um, not just spiritually, but practically. Would we not just hear these words and allow them to sit in our mind, but would you move us to action? And uh, we realize that this is an area of our life that can be messy, but we know that you take the broken things and you make them beautiful. And so, Father, we love you. We give you this morning. We give you this word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. What we want to talk about this morning um, is uh, God's design for sex within marriage. And, 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 you know, sometimes when you think about uh, the word sex, all, all we kind of think about is what our culture has told us about sex. But sex really, in God's design within marriage, is really all about intimacy. It's all about intimacy and this connection that God wants us to have with our spouse, our, our wife or your future wife, future husband. And, and that's what it's all about. And last week, we leaned into Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. Um, but that, that's going to help us this morning as well. Last week, we looked at that passage where we see uh, uh, the, the word of God kind of give us a description into our personal responsibility when it comes to worship and personal transformation. But the same is true here. And last week, when we looked at those two verses, the first verse and the second verse, we realized that, that it was telling us to not be conforming to the pattern of this world. And what we have to realize is that we're either going to be conditioned by the world or we're going to choose to be conditioned by the word. And the same is true when it comes to talking about sex and talking about intimacy. Either we're going to be conditioned by what the world tells us sex is and what it's about or what culture says sex is and what it's about, or we're going to choose to be conditioned by the word of God, by the ways of Jesus, 
when it comes to sex and experiencing intimacy the way that God originally intended for us to experience it. And I just want to read those two verses one more time for us. It says this, starting in verse 1 in Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're either being conditioned by the world or being conditioned by the word. Amidst all the magazines, movies, uh, TV shows, whatever it may be, one of the things that doesn't get a lot of positive attention or positive light or even any light at all is purity. Purity oftentimes in our culture, in the world that we live in, is something that's either mocked, looked down upon, weird. And so what our culture is trying to do is it's trying to condition us that God's design is not the right design. But we know what's in his word. And so what does it look like to, to, to be honoring to God with our sexuality? What is, when, when something like purity isn't celebrated or it's not, it doesn't receive a lot of airtime, how, how do we, uh, what do we, what do we do when we're trying to figure out, well, what does God have to say about sex, intimacy, and purity? What does the word of God tell us? What does his scripture tell us? What is God's design for this? And, and I thought it would be helpful this morning, uh, you know, when, when Nicole, who is our like kind of teaching director, sent out the, the roster, I was like, oh God, I gotta talk about sex. <laughs> and I was like, oh, can I do anything to get out of this? And, uh, and, uh, and I was like, how do you write a message about sex? And, uh, and then I worked with Nicole and Nicole, you know, we worked together, we came up with this idea. I thought it'd be helpful to look at it through this lens because I think the world has taught us a lot of lies when it comes to intimacy and sex and purity. And, and we need to realign ourselves with the truth of God's word. And so what I thought it would be helpful for us is to just look at a couple of myths when it comes to, to sexuality and purity that maybe um, we believed at one time or we, we still believe right now, and the truth to kind of counteract that myth. We ready? Yeah. We ready? Everybody ready? And, uh, and so if you're taking notes this morning... The first myth, myth number one, we're all like myth busters, okay? So suit up, put your backpack on, and we're going we're gonna to get into it. This is what it says. Myth number one is that God wants us to be ashamed of sex. God wants us to be ashamed of sex. Some of us have believed this myth that God wants us to be ashamed of sex because we have experienced shame when it comes to sexuality. And... If I'm honest for a moment, I've been there. I've believed this myth. And part of the reason I believe this myth is because I lost my virginity before I was married. And I was following Jesus. I was in a relationship. And things went a little too far. And in that moment, because I knew what God wanted for my life, not what he uh, was forcing me to do, but what he wanted for my life. 
And all of a sudden, something didn't line up with what God wanted for me. I felt an immense shame. And what happened is I started to live in that shame. And so anytime that somebody would talk about sex or sex would come up, I felt really uncomfortable. I felt really weird. And part of the reason I felt that way was because I was stuck in this shame. But the thing that changed everything was realizing that God doesn't want us to be ashamed of sex because he created it. It was his design. It was God's gift to a man and woman. And so the, 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 the thing that we have to understand is, um, you know, I was talking to somebody this morning and I said, you know, as I was repairing this, I had this revelation that the enemy is not a creator. The only one who's a creator is our God. And so what the, the only thing the enemy can do is take something that God has created for good and distort it or pervert it. And that's why we feel the cement shame. But the truth is God designed sex for radical intimacy within marriage. That, that sex isn't uh, all about pleasure, although it is pleasurable. Sex is really about intimacy between a husband and a wife. And so when it's all about pleasure and we find ourselves not in the will of God for our life, we find ourselves stuck in shame. And we start to believe this myth that God wants us to be ashamed of sex. Why would God want us to be ashamed of something that he created? That's like asking, that's like us being ashamed of who we are. But he created us in his image. And he created Sex, God designed sex for radical intimacy within marriage. And a great sex life within marriage, it's a godly pursuit. God invented and created sex. He doesn't regret it. And that's often what the enemy will do. He will take something designed for good within God's plan, and he will distort it in our lives to bring shame. And it's in that shame that we start to believe the myth. But God designed sex for radical intimacy within marriage, and we see it in Genesis. This is what it says, Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 25. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt what? No shame. Why did they feel no shame? Because they were operating in what God had designed. And they felt no shame. Can I, can I just keep it real for a moment? You know, I, I, I go to the gym sometimes. Not every time, not every day. You know I'm working on that. Y'all know I'm working on that. If you are here last Sunday, you know I'm working on it, Okay. But, you know, like when I was in, like, you know, uh, college, you go to the gym, you work out, then you go into the locker room, and, you know, just like everybody just like, I, I never felt comfortable, you know? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. I don't even have to say it. But, you know, you go into the gym, you take a shower at the gym, and it's like you come out of the shower, you're like wrapped in your towel, but everybody else is like, you know, okay, cool. <laughs> cool, man. And, uh, but I never really felt comfortable. And I've always thought about that. I, I, I really have always thought about it. I've always thought about it because I wonder if that was because of my shame. That even in that moment, I felt uncomfortable. And let me tell you, now that I'm married, if I'm at home and it's just my wife and I, I feel a lot like Adam. But what's happening is, is we're operating in God's design. And anytime we find ourselves in the will of God, shame has no place in the will of God. 
shame has no place in God's original design. But the moment that we find ourselves out of God's design is when the enemy has us right where he wants us. And we find ourselves stuck in shame. But we have to understand that the truth is God designed sex for radical intimacy. Prioritizing a healthy and fulfilling sex life and marriage will look different from season to season, but through honest and open communication and a desire to simply grow closer together, if our desire as a married couple, for the married couples in the room, if your desire is to be closer together, to be more intimate and not just focused on pleasure, the intimacy that you can experience is amazing. There's nothing like it. We experience intimacy the way that God designed us to experience it. Myth number two, we ready? Myth number two, you shouldn't have a sex drive until you're married. And everybody said, amen. (laughs) Come on, we can keep it real. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, thank God that's a myth. And, uh, And here's the thing, look, we were created to desire, you know, we, we, you know, we were created for that longing. And, uh, and, and so, you know, that's the myth. And maybe this too is also attached to shame. Maybe you find yourself like, man, like, am I the only one who thinks about this? And all the guys are laughing because like, no, I think about it every seven seconds. And, uh, but here's the thing. It's, 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 not, it's not unusual because you were created with a desire and a longing for what? Intimacy. The original longing in your heart is not simply for sexual pleasure, it's for intimacy. That's the longing that you're longing for. And so, so here's the thing, it's, it's, if, you, if you find yourself like, man, like, I'm not even married, but like, what? It's okay. It's normal. Because the truth is, God gives us a desire for sex. And if we're single... It's our responsibility to steward that well. So think about sex as a gift. Sex is God's gift to Adam and Eve and to humanity for a way for us in the context of marriage to experience this intimacy that we could never experience any other way. And, 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 And so our responsibility, just like any other gift that we receive, is to steward that gift well. And how we steward that gift well, if we're single in the room, is to honor God with our sexuality. That's the truth. The desire or sex drive that we have is given to us from God because God has designed us to desire intimacy, but intimacy within marriage, his plan and his will for us. So as a single person, our responsibility is not to believe the myth that we shouldn't have a sex drive until we're married, but to steward that desire that God has put in our hearts so that we are honoring him, but also honoring those that we're in relationship with. True and proper worship, as said in Romans 12, verse 1, is offering our body as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And part of how we do this is by stewarding our sex drive in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. And as a single person, your sex drive is not something to feel guilty about or frustrated by, but God's will is simply for you to steward it well by receiving healthy connection, healthy community, and about comfort without having to compromise your purity. If you're single in the room, 
and you believe that the only way to satisfy this desire, this longing for intimacy that God has given to you is to compromise your purity, you need to stop believing that right now. You can experience intimacy through healthy community. You can experience an intimacy within friendship. You can experience intimacy without sex. And so we're called to steward that. Myth number three, we're ready. Purity is just for single people. And all the single people are like, about time. <laughs> right? But oftentimes when we think about this conversation, we can think about, oh man, once I get married, I don't have to worry about purity anymore. That's a myth. <laughs> purity is not just for single people. If I'm honest, I believe this myth. I thought that the moment that I got married, that when it came to sexual temptation, that that would just vanish. But we know that the, 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 the thing is, is the enemy is after not just single people, but he wants to destroy homes. He wants to destroy families. And so if we're not careful and we find ourselves believing that myth as a married person, we need to get around some, some married couples who are going to encourage us and challenge us and keep us focused on what God's design is for our marriage because it doesn't go away. I, I was looking at some statistics and there's a study that was done by an organization that, that provided the information that 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women watch pornography at least once a month. This same study said that 53% of those people are married. Can I let you know that, that sexual temptation does not go away the moment that you say I do? In fact, I believe that, that the enemy would try to even tempt you even more because he, he, he doesn't want the beautiful thing that God's created when he brought you and your wife or your husband together. Purity is not just for single people, and the truth is, purity is equally crucial within marriage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says this, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So there is no difference when it comes to sexual immorality, whether you're single or married. And so as a single person, you got to steward your purity and, and pursue purity. And as a married person, we're still called to pursue purity as well. I, 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 my, the guy who married us, Kevin Monahan, he's been a mentor in my life for years and, uh, and we were having a conversation when uh, Tess and I got engaged. And, um, and he, you know, he was like, oh, man, I bet you're excited for that wedding. And I said, I said yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, uh, and he said, do you have any questions? And I asked him, honestly, I said, look, I, you, know, like, you, know, you know what I've been through. You know what I've struggled with. And um, um, is that going to go away? I legitimately asked him. I said, is that going to go away? And he just laughed in my face. <laughs> I said, great, man, that's really helpful. And, uh, but he laughed because, because it's so comical that many of us have believed that. If you ask the majority of people who are following Jesus that, oh, yeah, I don't have to think about purity as soon as I get married, the number of people that would say that was probably astronomical. And so we have to bring ourselves back to the truth that, that purity isn't just for the single person, but it's for the married couples as well. We have to fight for that. You know, I, I think if we're, if we're, 
it, it, you know, the thing is, is purity isn't just about, you know, physical, physical action. Uh, but we have to keep our thoughts pure. We have to keep our spirit pure. We have to keep our mind pure, our soul pure. And so purity in our thoughts, our choices, and interactions with others. And here's what happens. When we're choosing purity every single day because it's a choice, it's not a one-time thing. Hey, God, purity, I'm good. Trust me, it's not a one-time deal. But you have to choose it every single day. And when you choose it, if you're married or single, what you're doing is you're choosing to protect that intimacy. You're choosing to protect that sacred space that God is leaving for you to experience with that significant person. And if you're single, you're helping to protect the intimacy that you will experience between your future wife or your future husband. That was one of the biggest things that I had to overcome, realizing that I had lost my virginity. I thought I had lost that sacred space forever. And, um, and so it's been a fight, a fight, a fight, a fight, a fight to not believe that myth. Myth number four, to be pure, just don't have premarital sex or commit adultery. I, I wish it was that easy, guys. Purity is m- about more than just not having premarital sex or not committing adultery. And often the question that we ask when it comes to this stuff is, how far is too far? Anybody been there? Can we keep it real? In my head, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just, just do this. And then I'll just slide down the couch a little bit more. And then I'll yawn. And then I'll put my head on her shoulder. You know what I mean? We we often ask ourselves the question, how far is too far? Wanting to know how much we can get away with before we have actually sinned. But this question points to a life that is operating under the law instead of being led by the spirit of God. See, the truth is, truth number four is purity is not simply about whether or not we have sex, but about our hearts and our minds being purified of lust because we are in utter devotion to Jesus. It's not that I'm going to be pure because I have to. I'm going to be pure because I want to, because I know that God has something so much better for me. The greater question is, how can my mind and my heart be renewed to pursue purity out of a deep devotion to Jesus, not simply for the fear of consequences? When our heart is set on honoring God, we don't want to get as close as possible to going too far. Instead, what we want to do, we want to do what is most beneficial for our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And here's the thing, when we choose purity... We don't just honor God. We don't just glorify God. We don't just show our devotion to God. But what we're actually doing is we're honoring the people that we're in a relationship with. We're showing them the utmost respect. Because when I say, hey, you know what? I know we've gone out on a couple dates and you look good. And everything in my body is like, hey, let's do this. But you know what? Because I know that Jesus loves me and he has so much more for me, but also has so much more for you, I think the best thing that we can do is to, to wait and choose to honor. What happens is it's not just about you in that moment. It's also about that person. Because here's the thing. Uh, the person that, that I ended up losing my virginity to, it, it didn't just affect me. It affected her as well. And, and so what we're doing when we say, hey, I'm going to choose 
to realize that purity is not just simply about whether or not we have sex, but it's about my heart and my mind being purified because I'm devoted to Jesus. I'm, I'm honoring my, myself and my God, but I'm also honoring that person and the journey that God has for them. And so Matthew chapter five, verse 27 and 30 says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall now commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And I've always taken that thing literally. No, I'm kidding. I haven't taken it literally. Uh, don't take it literally. But, but here's the thing. When I was studying this week, the thing that stood out to me this time around, because I've read this passage so many times, the thing that stood out to me this time was it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go away. You know what I saw that as? I had a revelation that what God was speaking to me was it's, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than another part of the body of Christ. You see what I'm saying? Because this person is a part of the body. And what happens when I don't choose to honor God with purity and in my sexuality, and I bring somebody else into my disobedience, what happens is I'm not just affecting my part of the body, but I'm affecting this part of the body. And so we have to remember that. Myth number five, Purity is impossible. Some of y'all are like, that's true. <laughs> I know for many of us, we believe this myth, or we find ourselves still believing this myth because this seems like the one area of life that we just cannot find freedom in. Or we feel like we will never experience the freedom that God has for us. And, and I can let you know there are a few moments in my life where personally I felt like, what's the point of fighting if I feel like I'm never going to overcome it? But what I failed to realize is that for the longest time, me fighting for purity was exactly that, me. It was me fighting for purity. But what changed everything is when I realized that Jesus wanted to fight with me, that I wasn't in this fight for purity, pursuing purity alone. And even better, Jesus is not just fighting with me, but he's fighting for me and on my behalf when it comes to purity, because the truth is this, truth number five, we have received power and grace to walk in purity. We have access to, to sexual images, content, like we've never had before in our time and in our day. And casual sex seems like it's the norm for our culture. It's like, oh, let me pull up my app and swipe right, and okay, let's go. That's the norm for our culture now. Even inside the church, we hear a lot of testimonies about people coming from a broken past and, and them turning their life around for Jesus. And these testimonies are amazing and we're thankful for the redemptive power of the cross. But it doesn't have to be this way for everyone. You know, maybe you're in the room this morning and you've been pursuing purity. Keep pursuing purity. Don't believe that you have to compromise your purity just so that you have a testimony. Let me tell you, your testimony will speak for itself because God is still doing something in your life. And for those of us, maybe, maybe you're here in the room this morning, you say, man, I, I, I can't win this battle. Can I tell you that the battle's already been won? 
Here's the thing. Many of us believe that when Jesus went to the cross, that he died for our sin and he died for our shame and he, he died for our salvation. But some of us have failed to believe his death in this area of our life. His death is not just good for our salvation, it's good for our, our pursuit of purity. When he came to defeat sin through his death on the cross, he defeated all sin, past, present, future. And we have received this power. I love this quote from author Philip Yancey. This is what he says, the proof of spiritual maturity is not how pure you are, but, aw but awareness of your impurity. <laughs> That very awareness opens the door to grace. You don't know you need grace until you realize that you've messed up. And so, well, some of us, we find ourselves like, oh, I'm just, I'm just act like I'm pure. And what you don't realize is that lack of awareness gets you even entangled in it even more. But the moment, if we can just take a second to be honest and say, I, I realize that this is an area that maybe I've stopped fighting in my life, and I know I need to keep fighting, that awareness alone will set you in position to not just receive grace. Grace isn't just about receiving something to cover our sin and our shame, but grace teaches us to say no to what isn't of God and to say yes to the ways of God. Grace is not just something we receive, but grace is our teacher, and grace wants to teach us when it comes to purity. Myth number six once purity is lost, it can't be restored. And some of us, we find ourselves believing that myth, that I, I've lost it, there's no getting it back. But we have to remember that Jesus, our Savior, our healer, our redeemer, is in the business of taking the things that are broken in our life and making them whole again. That's his business. That's, that's what he's all about. And so if you find yourself sitting in this room in this conversation saying, man, I, what's the point of me listening to this conversation because I've already lost my purity? Can I tell you that Jesus can take your purity and build it back and, and put it back together? Yeah. That you don't have to stop fighting because you've lost it? That you can pick your, 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 the battle's not over yet. You still have a battle to fight and God's ready to fight it with you. You know, I, I think about, um, the moment that, you know, I, I, I messed up, I think about how I just felt like I had lost everything. I felt like my purpose was gone. I felt like I wasn't qualified for anything anymore. And um, what, what happened was it required people coming ar around me to remind me that, man, like, no, the same way that God brought you from death to life, he can do the same with your purity. And he wants to restore it. He wants to show you that he can heal this place, that he can make it new again. Because the truth is purity can be restored and walked out no matter what your past has been like. Believing this myth is believing that what Christ did at the cross was not enough and that it didn't cover everything. You know, Colossians chapter one, verses 21 and 22, it says, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Purity can be restored and walked out no matter what your past has been like, and God is able to heal every wound of shame and abuse. 
We can trust Jesus with the broken places. And the reason that we can is because purity is not based on what we've done with our body. It's based on what Jesus did with his. Purity is not based on what we've done with our body. It's based on what Jesus did with his. And when he went to the cross, it was enough. It was enough to cover your mistake. It was enough to cover your past, but it was also enough to redeem your past, to redeem your mistake, to get rid of the shame that you feel associated with sexuality and to give you a renewed mind, a renewed perspective on God's design when it comes to this area of your life. And as the team comes this morning with the, the short time that I have left, I just want to give us three things because I, I don't want to just speak to um, you know, ideas and thoughts and myths and truths. I want to give us some, some practical things that we can do to pursue purity, whether we're single or married, whatever you know, your relationship status is on Facebook, if it's complicated, this all applies, okay? Okay? We, we all been there, right? It's just complicated. I, I don't know how to define it. It's just complicated, Okay? But in order for us to, to, to pursue purity, I want to give us three things. And the first thing is this. We must surrender our sexuality to Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus means that Jesus becomes Lord over all, not just some. And that includes our sexuality. Jesus becomes Lord over all. Freedom and wholeness is impossible without first submitting ourselves to Jesus. You know, we talked about this uh, last week. I said that, look, the reality is, Jesus can only transform or change somebody who's willing and wanting to be transformed or changed. And this is true of this area of our life. We'll experience the freedom that we want to experience when it comes to purity. We'll experience the freedom that we want to experience when it comes to sexuality. And the same is true here. We have to surrender our sexuality to Jesus. Many of us have accepted Jesus as our savior, but we've not accepted him as Lord. And for Jesus to be Lord of our life, he has to be Lord of all. The second thing we need to do in order to pursue purity is to seek support for your need. I'm half Korean. Uh, my mom is Korean. Many of you guys know that. And um, part of what I grew up in, I grew up in a culture where, um, you know, for, for many of us, you know, our parents didn't like asking for help. It was kind of this weird Thing associated with asking for help. And so, I, you know, I, I realized that that's something that I struggle with. I struggle with asking for help. But when it comes to any area of your life that you find yourself compromising God's plan for your life, we have to seek the support that we need for our need. And so if you're a guy in here and you find yourself struggling with pornography, first of all, can I tell you, you're not the only one. That's the biggest thing that you need to know, whether you're a guy or a woman. Can I tell you, you're not alone? And if somebody tells you that that's not really their struggle or they're never tempted, just like punch them in the face and uh, tell them that I said you could. Don't tell them that. Uh, but you're not alone. You know, I have people in my life that I can call the moment that I'm tempted or even the moment that I make a mistake and I call them right away. And it's a safe space because I need to let somebody know. Because if I bring it to the light, the enemy can't do with it what he wants to do with it. 
And so you see, the moment that I call my friend or I call my mentor and I say, hey, I'm having these thoughts. Can you just pray for me right now? Or can you just keep me accountable? What happens is I've, I've freed myself from that shame. And, and there's tons of resources. Um, you know, one of the things that I have on my phone and my computer is, is just a thing that runs through an organization called Triple X Church. And, um, and they provide several resources when it comes to sexuality for people who are following Jesus. But I have things set up on my computer and on my phone that if I go to a questionable website, there are three people that are gonna get an email. Sometimes this doesn't work because sometimes websites have some interesting names that aren't meant to be weird, but they are. Like, um, I remember when I was uh, working at a church in Atlanta and um, I had this on my computer and my mentor was one of the guys who would get an email and uh, I was trying to order some stuff for um, our youth ministry at the time and I, I needed to go to, to the Dick's Sporting Good website. <laughs> and uh, at the time, their website wasn't thought well, like the name wasn't thought well. So I get pulled into a meeting. I walk into this room and I'm confused, guys. I'm so confused. I walk in, my mentor is like sitting down. He's got this serious look on his face. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like, am I getting fired? What did I do? And I'm like, I'm good. Like, I, I've been good. And I sit down and he goes, hey man, uh, so I need to have a conversation. Is everything okay? I said, yeah, I'm doing great. He's like, you sure? I said, yeah. He's like, well, I just got this email, you know, from, you know, Triple X Church says you went to this website. And then he showed me the website and I was like, oh man. He's <laughs> like, so, oh my gosh. I was like, no, I was trying to order basketballs and footballs, okay? <laughs> but we have to get comfortable with saying that, hey, can you keep me accountable in this area of my life? Nothing will change if you don't have somebody to keep you accountable. Can I tell you that? Jesus cannot keep you accountable all the time. He can't. That's why you have the person to your left, the person to your right, the person in front of you, the person behind you, even some people who aren't here so that you can seek support for your need. The last thing is this, in order for us to pursue purity, we gotta flee the scene. That's just as literal and as practical, take it for what it is. There's no metaphor, analogy behind that. You know, I, I, I have a relationship with um, a close friend of mine and we, we, we're that accountability for each other. And, um, and oftentimes what we realize is that the place of our sin was always the same. And so what we realized, he was sharing, he's like, yeah, man, I was, I was here at this place and at this time and I was struggling again. And it, was, it became a consistent thing. So I said, you know what? Maybe we just don't need to be in that place at that time. It's like, it's like simple and it's like, it's right in front of us. We just gotta flee the scene. Look, we know that a life lived with boundaries is meant to keep us safe, healthy, and living in the fullness that God has for us. And we need to have boundaries in what we watch, what we listen to, what we expose ourselves to. Making a covenant with our eyes in the way that we look at others of the opposite sex, just like Job did. This is what Job did. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And so look, here's, here's the thing. Some of us just need to flee the scene. If you, if you take note, of where you struggle or where you find yourself most tempted, over the next week, just do this. Write down where it is and write down what time it is. And then when you find yourself struggling and tempted again, 
right where you're at in the time, and you'll start to see there's actually a consistent theme with that. And so you just need to flee the scene. It's like, hey, I know it's not good for me to, to be on my couch at midnight when my wife is asleep. So what do I have to do? I gotta flee that scene. Jack, where you at? Jack, come on, Jack. Can't be out here by myself. Some of y'all laughing, I'm dead serious. Jack helps me to flee the scene. And some of us, we just need to get that practical with it. And, uh, but what I wanna do right now is I just wanna take a moment to pray. Cause I, I, I realize that, you know, one of the biggest things when it comes to this, this area of our life is, is some of us, we can't find our way out of the shame. And I felt so strongly coming into this morning that God wants to set some people free from that shame once and for all. That you weren't meant to live in that shame. Some of you, that, that shame has become a place of residence when God never meant it to be permanent. He meant it to be a place that maybe you could realize that he has something better for you, but then you have to leave that place to step into what he has for you. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna take a moment to pray for those in this room and with every eye closed, this is a safe space because I know this is a sensitive subject, Um, but I just believe that God really wants to set some people free this morning. That maybe when it comes to purity or when it comes to sexuality, that you've felt this deep immense shame associated with it that's made things uncomfortable. It's maybe even made the thought about marriage uncomfortable. It's maybe even made you question God's purpose and his plan and his promise for your life. And, um, and so if you would say that's you, and again, every eye is closed. If you would say that's you, can I just invite you right now to just lift your hand really quick? I, I wanna know who I'm praying for this morning. I see you, I see you, I see you. See you. Is there anybody else this morning? I see you. I see you. I see you. And so, Father, I thank you that you are a God of grace, that you are a God of mercy and of an unfailing, unwavering love. God, I thank you for those in this moment who said that I find myself stuck in shame when it comes to this area of my life. And God, I pray right now, once and for all, would you begin to remove every ounce of shame from their thoughts, from their minds, from their spirit, from their soul. And God, would you begin to give them a transformed and a renewed mind? Would you begin to help them see your original design for radical intimacy? Would you surround them with people who are gonna help them pursue purity? Would you surround them with people who are gonna remind them of God's plan and purpose for their life? And God, we declare freedom in the name of Jesus. 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 And Father, I pray for all of us in this room that this isn't a fight for some of us, but this is a fight for everyone. And Father, I pray right now, would you give us the courage to not compromise the gift that you've given to us, but that we would be so devoted to who you are because of your goodness, 
because of your faithfulness, because of your love for us, because of the fact that you died for us even while we were sinners. And that doesn't make any sense at all, but it makes all the sense to you because you love your sons and your daughters. And so it's from that place of love that we find ourselves so utterly devoted to you that we're gonna pursue purity with everything that we have, that we surrender our sexuality to you, that we're gonna seek support for our need, and that we're gonna do whatever we have to do to flee the scene. Because we know that you have something better for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.